Welcome to the Redeemer Church Podcast. We are so glad that you're listening today. At Redeemer, we are committed to following Jesus and connecting people to God's transforming love. I hope that this is just one of the ways that you connect to God's presence this week. We have spent this summer studying the book of Psalms together. This intentional time of digging deeper into one book of the Bible has been a powerful way to grow both as individuals and as a church. The book of Psalms concludes with a song dedicated to simply praising our God. Psalm 150 describes locations, reasons, and methods for praising and shows us that we should prioritize worship in our lives. Adam Barnett closes our series by sharing a bit about Psalm 150 and then speaks with several members of Redeemer about how they prioritize and experience worship amidst the busyness of life. So here is week 15 of Psalms with lead pastor Adam Barnett. Good morning, everybody. Great to see you, to be in the presence of the living God together this morning. And hello to everybody with us worshiping from many different locations right now online or on demand. The next two weeks at Redeemer are critically important and no exaggeration, our team here has been preparing for the next two weeks for months. We're calling it Launch Week, and we're focusing on four specific steps that you might want to take over an eight-day span. So direct your attention to the screen. I'm going to walk you through this very briefly. Um, We're calling this series Steps, and on Sunday the 22nd, I'm going to be casting vision, sharing about our mission as a church, and challenging you to step into that vision and mission because we need vision to operate as a church. We got to know where we're going and where God is calling us. On the 25th, we have our next steps class that evening, and that is an awesome class for any of you who are newer to Redeemer and want to learn a little bit more about the church, our history, our values, our ministries, and how you can get involved. And then on the 29th, uh, Step Out is going to be the content that morning in our worship services, and we're challenging you to step out into deeper commitment and discipleship and community and fellowship that as a part of this church family, those ministries exist not for you to consider, but to be a part of. Uh, in the same way, we are a church that believes in the value of using our God-given gifts and talents. He has wired you a specific way, everybody. And we want you to use those gifts and talents to really enhance the ministries and strengthen the ministries of this church, not only within our own walls, but also beyond. So RSVP for that, because we're going to have a brief time of worship. I'll be speaking that night, and uh, we're going to have dinner together and then break out into multiple sessions where you can learn more about how you can use your gifts to serve within the church. Who is that evening for? That evening is for all of you who are not currently serving on a ministry team in this church. Come and find out ways that you can get plugged in. It is also for all of you who are currently serving on a team and you're fed up with it. I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. All of you who are currently serving on a team, but you also wanna know about other opportunities that do exist in the church. So, you know, come and learn about those opportunities as well. You need to RSVP so we have a good count for dinner, and since it is a recruitment event, we'll be serving steak and lobster. (laughs) Just kidding. I also want to say, because they're both right here in this service, I've seen our leadership team members uh, throughout the morning, and I just want to thank them and honor them and and show some love to them because they've done a lot to help prepare uh, for next week. Yes, go ahead. 
Um, our chair, Eric, uh, has really worked closely with me in preparation for a new fiscal year. And of course, uh, the brilliance of Brian Storms is always greatly appreciated in preparing our budget for the upcoming year. Thank you to our leadership team. Thank you to our finance committee. Everybody say 15. We're in week 15 of our Psalms study. It feels like it just started. We're in chapter 150 this morning, the last chapter, if you want to turn there, in your Bibles or your devices. Um, and I just want to thank again, if, you ha- if you're relatively new here and you haven't grabbed one, we have devotions in the lobby uh, that have been prepared by five artists and 37 different authors that are a part of this church. Uh, a supplemental resource for your time in the Bible, and I just want to thank you and honor you again for your devotion to that project and all of the time that you spent to help us pull that off, and then also the amazing friends and colleagues of mine on this preaching team that have handled the text brilliantly and delicately this summer. On May 9th, I kicked off this series, and I'm going to finish it in the same way, uh, talking about the Gunazo Challenge. That's a Greek word from 1 Timothy 4, 7, where Paul writes to Timothy to train yourself to be godly, because we don't open the Bible and see a lot of literature about spiritual disciplines. We see all the disciplines uh, that Christ calls us to, but it doesn't really tell us how to attain those. Well, Paul uses this language of training. Gunazo is to train with one's full effort, to be devoted like an ancient Greek athlete who would train for an upcoming event. I know I'm looking at a lot of people right now who love Greek, right? I love Greek as well, some of the time. So say this with me, gymnazo. This has been our discipline this summer to train ourselves in spiritual fitness because as you say gymnazo, you might hear the English word gymnasium. It's where we go to receive our training, to enhance our fitness, and we do that spiritually like we do physically. On May 9th, I talked about those of you who go to the gym and you don't work out. You stand in the corner and you watch everybody else do work, and you, you've been a member at the gym for two years and you've never broken a sweat. We don't want to do that spiritually. We don't want to come to church and stand here and participate but watch everybody else worship. And so we've been devoted to growing and spending this summer as sort of a refreshing training season to make worship a greater priority in our lives. And I hope, and our staff hopes, our preaching team hopes that you have been challenged and renewed and tested and maybe pushed a little bit and encouraged as a result. So I have revisited the takeaway of the messages throughout this series, and and I'm going to preach 14 weeks worth in about the next two minutes. Are you ready? I just think it's good to revisit where we've been as a church. And it started with this, Christ is either our Savior and Lord, or he's nothing to us at all. We cannot say he's partially Lord. He is our Christ, our Savior, and our Lord, or he's nothing to us at all. And a Christian, Here's the great spiritual paradox of Christianity. A Christian is one who seeks God and then finds God, but then continues to seek God and continues to pursue God. We heard a great message on obedience, but we were encouraged to remember that obedience doesn't equal perfection. Christ didn't love you because you're perfect. 
Christ loved you because you're a sinner. And he invited you into that identity of saint. He didn't love you because you earned it or because you deserve it, but because he's good and because he's love. We talked about the city of God, the people of God were not safe because of the the strong walls around the city or their weapons or their wartime strategies, but the people of God throughout history have been safe because of the presence of God. We looked at the progression of repentance to confession to restoration to declaration, and we talked about how we are vulnerable to sin when we face comfort and complacency and comparison and fatigue and isolation. If you've been here a while, you know that we're not afraid to talk about sin at Redeemer, but we learned this summer that sin is our human condition. It's something that we wrestle with, but it is not our identity. Our identity is saint. Our Father in heaven doesn't look at us and say, you're a sinner. He says, you're my son. You're my daughter. Royal blood is in your veins because of Jesus. Joe brought a great message, really challenging us to be honest with God about our struggle, to be completely open, even if our struggle is with God. And although we must develop a passion for God's presence in our lives, he's always had a passion for your presence. And why? You're his child. What parent doesn't love the presence of their children? Our love of and trust in and obedience to God positions us in his shelter. And we are made by God and we are made for God. So we are satisfied fully, not by the world, but by God and in God. I challenged you to consider your posture of worship. Is that a consumer an evaluator, a spectator, a participant, or a true worshiper. And lastly, last week, Leanne brought an outstanding, uh, challenging message, and what I took away more than anything from it, and I've been thinking about it a lot, is what we fear most in this life often reveals where we trust God the least. That was 14 weeks in a couple of minutes. What a wonderful, wonderful series this has been. So today we conclude with the final chapter, chapter 150, and I'm going to speak to this chapter for just a few moments, and then we'll get to why these stools are behind me. Verse 1, praise the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary, praise him in his mighty heavens, praise him for his acts of power, praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and lyre. Praise him with timbrel and dancing. Praise him with the strings and pipe. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Let everything, y'all better get excited today. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. The theme of this chapter is obviously praise. There is a Jewish legend that says when God created humanity long ago, his chief creation, highest form, he turned to the angels and he asked the angels, what do you think about this world that I have created? And the angels said, Lord, only one thing is lacking. And it is the sound of praise to their creator. So God created music. God created the whispering wind and the murmuring ocean. And God put 
a voice in the birds of the air, and God planted melody in the hearts of men and women so that we could praise, so that creation could praise. Now, this is just a tale. We obviously don't believe that God forgot anything in the moment of creation. But this tale does remind us and draw our attention to the fact that praise is the crown of the created order. Everything that God has created is drawn in to praise him. In fact, that's what makes him exclusively God, is that anything else in your life that is competing for your attention or your affection or your worship didn't create you. So at the end of the day, we worship he is our creator. And within these six verses, if you look there in your Bibles, there are several hints to God's redemptive story throughout history. The timbrel and dancing allude to David's returning of the ark to Jerusalem in 2 Samuel. They're also mentioned as a means of celebrating the crossing of the Red Sea in Exodus 15. The harp and the lyre were used by the Levites to accompany the singing of the Psalms, 1 Chronicles 15, and the sounding of the trumpet, among other things, signals the crowning of a new king. Now, for our beloved drummer Edison, I would also like to point out that symbols are mentioned in Psalm 150. Therefore, drums do belong in the church. <laughs> and clashing, resounding symbols. One time I was worshiping in Africa. And there was a woman walking around, Andrea and I were there, and she was blowing a whistle over and over again. And one of the pastors leaned over to me and said, Pastor Adam, you know why she's blowing that whistle, right? And I said, no, I don't know why. And he said, because she can. She's making a joyful noise unto the Lord. Don't anybody bring a whistle next week. All that to say, maybe a drum solo is appropriate at the end of today's service. This chapter is a beautiful exclamation point to the previous 149 chapters in Psalms, and it ends with this final command. Feel the gravity of this. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Echoing Genesis 2-7, where God breathed life into Adam. This chapter summons us to return our breath to the giver of breath and join in the celebration of our God's reign. Now, the real sermon's going to begin. You're in for a real treat today. I have four friends who are going to join me up here, members of our church, Elizabeth Hill, Ruben Senea, Bennett Geister, and you might recognize our choir director, Marilinda Lynch. And I'm going to ask just two questions of these four amazing people and friends of mine. 
And I know you're going to be encouraged by their answers today. My first question is in relation to a plague that I believe affects most, if not all, of God's people. And that's busyness. Would you raise your hand today if you have felt busy this week? Go ahead. Busyness, interfering with our worship and our praise. I've been focusing, my wife often focuses on a word or a phrase throughout an entire year. I picked one at the beginning of this year and it was, Adam, slow down and catch up with God. Just slow down and catch up with God. Because somebody said this profound statement to me. Uh, in fact, it was a video that Ryan Myers sent to me. He said, how fast does God move? Three miles an hour. That's how fast Jesus walked. And Jesus is God. So Adam just slowed down and catch up with God. So in relation to worship, and, and as we think about overly busy lives, I think it often has less to do with our actual calendar and more to do with our heart and prioritizing what is most important. So first question for my four friends today, how do you prioritize praise and worship in the midst of such busy lives? Reuben? Yeah, thank you, Pastor Adam, for, for the opportunity to be here. You know, for me, uh, I grew up in a different culture. I grew up in Haiti, born and raised, and, and Haiti is a place of uh, desperation, you know, hardworking to make, to basically survive. So I remember still today growing up, my parents, they were the first to be up and the last to go to bed. Reasons they were teachers, hardworking people, but making sure up early, send us to school, get us breakfast and all those things and come back home and we all home cook dinner. But they were intentionally do all they could to spend the afternoon with us, whether we eat together, we hang out together, we talk, and then spend time in that little house we had. So all these things they did so they could prioritize spending time praising and praying and worshiping Jesus, guide us toward the course. And still today, I carry that mentality and that mindset with me in my busy life today. You know, I work in Haiti, I work for Mission of my Travel, all those things I do, but also intentionally try to find some time to take my kids to soccer games and, and, and play with them and pray with them and play music in the house with them and all those things I do because I believe there's always opportunity there's time we can praise God in the busyness, meaning at, at work and do everything we do, represent Christ wherever we are, trying to make a living, but also praise him for the busyness. Because where I'm from, busyness means we are doing all we can to provide for ourselves, but also opportunity to show off and then represent Christ with his God's giving talent he alone gave us. Thank you, Reuben. Marilinda? Well, my favorite time of worship is corporate worship because it does empower me for the week. Personally, sometimes my worship is musical, but primarily it's through the reading of God's word and worshiping his word. It's the first thing I do, and the Psalms have been so instrumental in formulating my worship. It's been so beneficial. My heart needs to be realigned with God's, and when I get all messed up with a too busy of a schedule, I have to make that choice to stop and worship God and allow the Holy Spirit to work in my heart to bring conviction of sin, 
to give me direction and to give me peace. And otherwise, I uh, am totally adrift. But I have to have the Holy Spirit help me regain God's eternal perspective. And then at that time, once the Holy Spirit has done a work in me, then I'm ready to say, um, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. And then at the end of the day, it's one of my favorite times because I'm outside late at night with my dog and I just look up into the heavens and the heavens declare the glory of God. And so I'm humbled to think that the creator of the universe wants a relationship with his people. And it's just amazing to me when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have put in place, what is man that you're mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? So at the end of the day, when I evaluate just the faithfulness of God, it's easy for me to say, oh, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Thank you. Thank you both. It's beautiful. Elizabeth. Prioritizing worship is a must for me. It's not based on a schedule, but an invitation to be a part of my day. I, long, I learned long ago that I needed him more than just a, a scheduled 30, a five to 30 minute time frame. Like the writers of Psalms, I needed him on the life journey through my peaks and my valleys. Even when I am wrong and should have known better, I can still call out to a grace-filled and merciful father. Psalms reminds us we need to walk with the shepherd because we lack nothing with him. He will guide us, comfort us, and love on us in spite of our human frailties. This thought process of inviting him to walk with me daily started when I decided to surrender my will and develop a relationship with the Father. I tried to do life on my own terms and failed miserably. As a personal relationship was developing, I was able to learn the characteristics of the Father, his Son, and his Holy Spirit. Trusting what I had learned and experienced taught me how to partner and release control in my life, which is a daily process. I can tell you this journey has been hard at times and rewarding at others, but the ultimate gift I have received is a level of confidence that only comes when you decide to prioritize worship that develops into a relationship with the Father. Growing up, um, I would hear my grandmother walk in the house and sing various songs. And one of the songs that I would hear her sing, and now I actually understand, she would say, I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. <clears throat> Sorry, you have to follow that. How do I follow that? Thank you, Elizabeth. It's amazing. You know, my for worship for me, I, I kind of break it down into two things. One is um, what time do I spend in God's word individually? And number two, what time do I spend corporately with my brothers and sisters? So um, on an individual level, I try to start my day in quiet time and that kind of helps ground me for whatever God's gonna do 
um, in my life on any given day. Um, on my way to work, a lot of times I'll listen to scripture, Bible app, always really helpful. Not that I'm trying to go super deep, but at least it's saturating my soul and it kind of helps me get ready for whatever, again, he's going to do throughout the day. Um, during the day, it's amazing what an iPhone and a Bluetooth speaker can do because we can listen. I can listen to music a lot of times when I'm in my office. And again, it helps me stay centered um, with whatever's going on. And then at evening, that's when I have the opportunity to really uh, get into his word and um, just spend time studying and praying. So that's the individual part. I think the corporate part is the time I get to spend with you all, right? Our brothers and sisters on Sunday mornings. We have our small group that meets a couple times a month on average. Um, and that helps me stay grounded. And then my shameless plug for men's fellowship on Wednesday mornings is a great opportunity. I need that midweek pick-me-up, Adam, because if I don't get it, my mind can go to dark places. So it's really helpful getting to experience fellowship with brothers and sisters. Thank you all so much. Um, the second question is in relation to verse two. And the reason I want to ask this question is I thought, what, what a great way to wrap up 15 weeks in Psalms together as a church to just take a moment and hear some testimonies. We all know testimonies of our brothers and sisters strengthen our faith when we hear how God has moved in their lives. So the question is, how has God's power, his mighty acts of power that we read about in verse two, compelled you to praise either in a specific moment in your life or over the course of your life? Reuben? Man, I, I can go on and on with that question. Uh, just go back, think, you know, how much I've been through in my life and, and you know, growing up in Haiti, all those things. But for a specific uh, a story, I may have shared this here before, but I remember in 2010, 11 years ago, a major earthquake hit the country of Haiti. And then uh, I, uh, I was there at the time and went through it, survived that earthquake. And still today, I would ask the question, God, why, why me? And I sought to understand him. You know, he did it just because he went to a second for reasons like today, where I get to, to represent him at work and in what I do. I still serve in Haiti. I work in Haiti. I may fly out tonight to go and serve the people there. So I believe reasons like those are the reason God gives me the life I have today. And I always say, you know, the life I live today is not mine, but his. Because honestly, I don't deserve it, but it just happened that I'm here. So just to be here on that platform is plenty of reason to praise him because really, truly, God is powerful and he's never stopped being powerful in my life personally. Mm. Reuben, we met just a few weeks before that earthquake and I remember the good news that you had survived. Um, you were in Bible school in Port-au-Prince and how many classmates were in that room with you? And there was about, there was 68 of us in that, that little room that day. And you were one of 12 to yeah, survive. and I was one of 12 to survive. And the last one to be pulled out from the rubble. Yes, yes. Yeah, you're a miracle. And your story is so powerful and revealing of the hand of God. And um, there's a song that you sing. I put him on the spot first service. I didn't ask, I didn't ask for his permission first service but maybe he knows it's coming now. Every time you sing this song, and he's a wonderful worship leader, 
It touches my spirit because I know your story. But would you just sing that chorus for the church today, My Life Is Not My Own? Yeah, the song goes, My life is not my own. To you I belong. I give myself, I give myself to you. And I can say it again, it goes, My life is not my own. To you I belong. I give myself, I give myself to you. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Ruben. Marilinda. Well, two years ago, my family faced one of the greatest challenges of um, my husband's unexpected health going south, and I saw God's power working uh, as he orchestrated immediate decisions and care for him. We thought about the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord, and we usually think about that in favorable circumstances, but God's word is always true. And knowing that God is sovereign, he is never caught off guard, we can trust him. We may not understand him, but we know that we can trust him. And God gave me this scripture of Isaiah 12 too. Surely God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord, the Lord himself is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. And my husband was unable to work for many months. And when these challenges came uh, and more responsibilities for myself, we were knee-deep in rehearsals for Christmas cantata. As I saw God ordering my steps, my worship increased as my faith increased. When God comes to your aid through fellow believers, supporting you financially and emotionally in such a critical time, it is first humbling, but then inspiring to see the power of God working through his people. And we never know about the circumstances that transpire that ultimately become blessings. But it's thrilling to see that God prompts people on his behalf to bless his people. I can trust him because he's my God, he's my strength, and he's my song. I will praise the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. It's beautiful. And as I hear you talk about the fellowship in this church that cared for you and your husband during that time, I'm reminded of the countless times you have taken care of people in this church. You're a wonderful shepherd. Thank you, Marilinda. Elizabeth. When you learn to praise God in the tough times, it's easy to praise him at all times. About three years ago, the Holy Spirit prompted me that he was ready to address an area of gifting that I neglected. He told me that the environment that I grew up in did not embrace the gift that he gave me, um, and that gift was called leadership. Leadership to me was something I did out of necessity or survival and not something that was celebrated in courage. It was like a taboo. Um, if there was a task that needed to be handled or um, a solution needed to be made, absolutely, I would step in. But the minute that you attached leader to that, I shied away. Growing up, when I would exhibit those natural leadership abilities, I would hear words like, who do you think you are? You need to stay in your place. You see, I am a product of raging teenage hormones and substituted emotional needs, also known as teenage parents. My parents were immature emotionally and mentally deficient, and I grew up with them simultaneously. 
with, the less, with less mental capacity and emotional intelligence to absorb the blows of the world. I was regularly exposed to leadership opportunities that encouraged growth. And the few times that I was, I lacked the emotional intelligence to take what I had learned and embrace the opportunity. I was at the tender age of 18 and I actually had it all figured out, so I thought. I made a conscious decision to do life on my own terms and I did that for six years or so. And guess what? I failed miserably. The late Miles Monroe would say, when, when purpose is not known, abuse is inevitable. And I was tired of living the life according to the book of Elizabeth, because that book had no substance. When I finally surrendered, I allowed God to take me on a journey that's been healing and revealing. I've learned that he is so patient. He is kind. He is loving. He's encouraging. He's a provider and he's a protector. I realize that the desires for me are so far more greater than I can ever imagine but I had to be willing to walk with him through my peaks and my valleys. And with every step, I have learned to praise him because he has truly bought me from a mighty long way. It's beautiful. Thank you. Um, I love what everybody said up here, just beautiful. I, I, like everybody else, I can think of so many examples of God's power, how he's taken our family through uncertainty, um, you know, the way I met my wife, Kelsey, um, how he's provided professionally with work and in my career. But I think one of the most recent examples um, was when our son Baker was born. And Baker's almost four years old, Major's two and a half, and Kelsey's pregnant with our third due in November. So uh, three boys. Um, but I'm so, so... You know, Leanne talked last week on Psalm 139, and there's a verse I always appreciated in there, talks about God knitting us together in our mother's womb. And I've always loved that verse, but I didn't really understand that verse until I met our kids. And I saw their unique features, and as they've grown up and as they're getting older, I see their unique personalities, and I think about the fact that there are billions of people on this planet and God made each and every single one of us unique. And it reminds me of a verse. It's in Isaiah chapter 49. It's verses 15 and 16. It says, can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. See, I've engraved you on the palm of my hands. Your walls are ever before me. And in my life, that, seeing my kids, was the power of God. Wow. Thank you to all four of you. Uh, just as I said earlier, I mean, it strengthens our faith stories when we get to share and hear the testimonies of people that we sit and worship with every single week. I love all four of you, and I honor you, and I'm so grateful for your friendship. Can we thank these four today? Thank you. Bennett, 
I'm going to ask you to close our time in prayer and lead us into worship. Thank you. You all bow your heads with me. Gracious Heavenly Father, we, we praise your name, God. As we studied Psalm 150 this morning, we think back on the last several months, God, that we've been able to just read and study your Psalms together. And Lord, one of the most passionate things I love in our study is just that your people brought their feelings to you. And whether it was praise or it was anger or it was anxiety or fear or uncertainty or dot, 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 dot. God, you, um, you hear us. God, you see us. You know where we are this morning, God. You know where we are every day because, Lord, you are the king of all kings and you're the Lord of all lords. You are a God who is great and greatly to be praised. And we're so grateful, God. We're so grateful we can gather together. We're so grateful, God, that we can share and fellowship with one another as we worship your name. And so God, I pray this morning, give us hearts and spirits that don't just drudge through the acts and the things that we're supposed to do as Christians, Father, but Lord, give us hearts and spirits that are devoted to you and that God uh, just are refreshed uh, by your Holy Spirit, that we might be the aroma of Christ to everybody we come across. And Father, I do pray this morning, no matter what we're going through, whatever we're dealing with, Father, I pray that, Father, you would equip us to do what you've called us to do, God, that we might live lives of worship to the people that you put in our lives, Father, our families, the people we work with, maybe it's school, maybe it's friends and social groups, whatever that may be, Father, you have equipped us this day. So Lord, let us go forth and honor and serve you, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We love you, God. We praise you. We ask all these prayers in Jesus' name. Once again, thank you for listening to the Redeemer Church podcast. To stay connected to all that God is doing here at Redeemer, visit our website at RedeemerTulsa.org or connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Have a blessed week.